0: I don't know who you are, young lady. You certainly know how to handle yourself well. girl Batgirl? 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 Yes, Batgirl. Best Bam pal. Batman. This is Batman Land. Our purpose here is quite serious. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show. We might as well get a few laughs out of it. Discussing the episodes to air this week on SBS Viceland. Batman. My name is Dan Barrett. I work here on an SBS website called The Guide Joining me, it's a colleague who spends each weekend with a highlighter in her hand playing beach blanket bingo as Fiona Williams. <laughs>
1: do I ever? Hello.
0: What do they call those when you're playing bingo? Like it's a green stick thing that they push. The down? Green
1: stick thing that they push down.
0: Don't I think know. it's green. Dabber. 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 What? Is <laughs> the the dabber? <laughs>
1: what well, it is now?
0: I mean, you do dab, I guess. Yes. Anyway, Fiona Williams, <laughs> how are you doing? Good, thank you. We haven't heard you here on a Batman since, well, since way many back moves. when,
1: last series. And I'm sorry, it has been a while, but I could not have dreamed up a more perfect couple of episodes to come back on, Daniel. So thank you so much.
0: No, exactly. We haven't seen you on Batman land since Robin was in short shorts. There was no Batgirl. No, there was not. So you've come back to Batman Land with an entirely different dynamic at play. Yes.
1: I don't know what's going on, but yeah. I'm
0: loving it. I mean, first of all, we haven't seen Nick Bassine for about two weeks around the office. He's gone to Gotham Point. Yeah, probably hanging out with Hot Dog Harrington and the rest <laughs> of the guys.
1: Check the garbage cans. Maybe someone kidnapped him and chuffed him in one.
0: Uh, very much It's possible. I'm not out and like ruling that out entirely. However, this is new for you. You found Batgirl. You found a radically reduced budget on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to say. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice? Like, yeah, you, you probably yeah. noticed Batgirl, but I did notice Batgirl. Yeah. I had to miss
1: her in on that scooter. I want one of those. But um, yes, I did notice. Well, I was led to believe that it would be far more noticeable that the uh, production budget had been. Remarkably downsized since last we
0: spoke. Because I wouldn't shut up about it at work. Yeah, pretty much. And then I watched the episodes and it kind of feels like both of these episodes. Like, it seemed like phase of war.
1: Yeah, kind of. I mean, we've got a location shoot down at the beach and...
0: And what a location. (sighs) Some it's al- tasty waves. <laughs> it's almost like Gotham City is located in Southern California. Almost. Mm.
1: Um, and, I mean, we've got dinosaur eggs. There's a lot going on in these two episodes. Completely unrelated, but I'm led to believe that's how it goes now.
0: Uh, very much so. Now, there was something very interesting. Well, first of all, this Batman land. We're coming into it with episode two of a two-part episode. Yes, Okay, but really you don't need to have seen part one. You wouldn't know it. In fact, have you seen part one of this (laughs) two-parter? You told me not to. (laughs) Yeah, and you really didn't. Now, what's fascinating about this two-parter is that it's not really a two-parter. As discussed on last week's Batman Land, it's actually a three-parter.
1: Sweet fancy Moses.
0: So last week, Nick Bassine finished off talking about episode one of this two-part storyline. Mm-hmm. And episode two, you've watched. The thing is that episode two, which we'll be discussing in this episode, yes. is not in fact episode two of the three-parter. What we're talking about is episodes one and three of the three-parter, and then episode two in classic 1966 Batman style is actually going to air in three weeks' time, <laughs> like SBS Viceland time, but really it would have been like... Five weeks, I think, later in a production cycle. I knew you were going to say that. What? Yeah, <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. So mm. they shot it as a three-part episode, mm. okay? But then so this for some is all an
1: egg- egghead.
0: Yeah. Mm. So it was a three-part episode, but for some reason they took out the second part and they aired as an episode in a few weeks. I'm going to be fascinated to see how much sense that thing makes. Same. Yeah, and so that's so where we've we're seen
1: at. it wrap up, but now we're going to see the middle bit.
0: Yeah, but for all intents and purposes, coming into it, it'll be just like a one-off episode. Okay. But the Boy Scout and the older lady you see at the beginning of the episode, yes. apparently they're in that middle part, which we'll see in a few weeks' time.
1: I did wonder. They seem to have a rapport that we were meant to be <laughs> familiar with. They
0: really did and seem I to... I put that down
1: to my ignorance of the previous episode. But... Also,
0: the strength of both of them as actors.
1: Oh, they light up the screen.
0: Now, yeah, oh, did they ever. Mm. So we are talking about two different episodes here on this <laughs> week's Batman Land. We're talking about the first episode, How to Hatch a Dinosaur, which aired on the 9th of November 1967. And then we're going to talk about Surf's Up, Jokers Under, which aired on the 16th of November 1967. Now, Fiona, I can never remember exactly what happened in each episode. So I'm going to get you to give me a synopsis and the fine people out there listening in Batman Land. Yeah. But before we do that, do you know what happened on the 9th of November 1967?
1: No, not a clue.
0: I thought we'd do a bit of trivia this week.
1: Okay.
0: On the 9th of November, the very day that the part three, really part two of this, uh, you know, yeah. don't let me am with like you. That. No, no, I'm yeah. with you. Yep. Uh, there was a actual major pop cultural landmark taking place that day. The first issue of Rolling Stone magazine <laughs> made its debut on newsstands you around San Francisco. Don't forget a thing like that. That's a fairly significant pop culture milestone, though. To know the day... Like, well, that's the day that Rolling Stone launched. Like, that's a pretty big thing. Sorry. You know, the Lester bangs and the whatnot. Yeah. Uh, On the November 16th, which is when the episode Surf's Up, Jokers Underwent to air, Lisa Bonet was born. Aw. Yeah. Later known as Denise Huxtable on The Cosby Show. Oh. Well, you know, it's not her fault.
1: No, it's not her fault.
0: No. She was very good in High Fidelity. So, Fiona, what happened in Batman land?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We are covering all bases today. All right. Well, for starters, I'm glad you clarified the name of the episode because I read it as how to catch a dinosaur and then realised that there was no catching of dinosaurs. But there is a hatching, so thank you for catching me on that.
0: Why do I have the song Do the Dinosaur" like in my head? I don't know everyone get on the floor? Yeah, everyone... i am clearly with
1: the song. All right, so first one, How to Hatch a Dinosaur. The Neosaurus is going to hatch! It's all about Egghead and his Russian lady friend Olga's efforts to steal a 40 million-year-old dinosaur egg. It's probably stale eggs, kid. Which is on display with absolutely no security around it at the Gotham Natural History Museum. One of the very few intact fossil eggs of that era. Their plan is to wake it up and hatch it with low-dose radiation waves.
0: You are going to hatch 40 million-year-old eggs?
1: They don't succeed.
0: It's impossible, excuse.
1: And just when you think it's all getting wrapped up, we're off on a new adventure and hanging ten with the cool kids and the beach comas down at Gotham Point.
0: Who was that? Some chick who's been hanging around the beach.
1: The Joker wants to win a surf contest.
0: Me, the Joker, king of the surf and all the surfers.
1: So he does the most logical thing. He kidnaps a local surf champ and transposes all of the guy's surfing ability by... A gizmo called a surfing...
0: Experience and ability transferometer.
1: But you know what? All of the plot is just an elaborate way to get to what we're all here to see the Joker and Batman trading moves in a surf contest.
0: Joker's good! What a kick turn! But watch Batman trimming!
1: It's every bit as amazing as it sounds, and it's worth the price of admission, which is absolutely nothing. You're welcome.
0: (laughs) You're welcome Australia. (laughs) Now this episode opens we've got a day day, that dawns dawn's brightly which is is no no guarantee against the darkening disaster disaster. as we learn and that disaster I guess is watching Vincent Price going down the street on a donkey. Yeah. Mm. Now that bit of footage with the Cossacks going down the street and then Vincent Price shortly afterwards on said donkey I feel they've used that footage in one of the previous episodes. (laughs)
1: There's a bit of recycling going on uh, yeah. in the other episodes,
0: but especially. I kind of feel that the first time that we saw Egghead and the Cossacks, which would have been two episodes prior in the coming up next week on Batman, I think we saw that clip, but I didn't go back and check because... That's you know, so last week. That's very last 50 week. 50 years ago. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, we're not going down Market Street. There's only one place they could go, which is the Gotham City Radium Centre. <laughs> <No. laughs> Radium Centre? That sounds even more dangerous than trying to cross this street. Hmm. What's the
1: gift shop like in that
0: one? (laughs) That is a question. Uh, I suspect it's not really a tourist uh, venue, although the little 10-year-old kids seem very familiar with the place. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: And they're pretty quick to give up their radium, might I add.
0: Yeah. They don't really seem that invested. Now, I'm not entirely sure that the technician that Egghead and the Cossacks were all dealing with was necessarily the most professional of technicians. Now, I've not worked in a lab. I don't know about yourself.
1: Only work experience year 10,
0: no. Okay, more work experience year 10, that's more qualified than I in this. I would expect the lab coats. Okay, but I would not expect maybe a lab coat, which is best described maybe as a shirt, maybe even I'd smock. pants. Pants would be what I'd be looking for or, here. Or some sort of bottom half. Yeah, separate. like there was no pants. It just seemed like, I don't know. I don't think that the young lady technician was necessarily approaching the role with the professionalism that one should maybe treat such a role. Like you're dealing with radium, lady. I don't know what she's talking about. Hot staff is Cossack translation for radium, my dear. Now, that actress, her name's uh, Pat Becker, and she's previously been in some Batman episodes. So she was one of the Catwoman's goons in the episode, and I can't remember if I got the titles right. I'm going to call it the Sandman Cometh and the Catwoman Goeth, but it could be the Sandman Cometh, Cat, uh, Sandman Cometh Catwoman Goeth. I don't know. That's
1: exactly what you You know where said.
0: it's going. <laughs> it, it's, it's been a long Batman land week. Why didn't she say so? Well, I am saying so. So do you think she was just not wearing pants or do you think it was a mini skirt? Like it's the 60s? I
1: mean, Either way Batman inappropriate. doesn't wear pants.
0: Batman? Either. Yes. He wears blue pants on the outside of his other pants. Trousers. And when he's in a surf-off composition, he's wearing boardies. Does he ever? Yeah.
1: I didn't anticipate we'd do such a long stint on the lack of pants on the lab technician, but...
0: Well, you take what you can in this show.
1: <laughs> this show has changed in my absence. Go on. <laughs>
0: Just roll with it. <laughs> I was very concerned about the back computer, which apparently the back computer stops working when radium has been moved in a city somewhere. Mm. So highly sensitive. If the back computer is being affected by the moving of radioactive materials around the place, like how poorly is the containment of said radioactive materials? That they know the cause of. It well, must happen a bit It shouldn't you mean. be affecting the bat, like back computer, which is buried deep underground under mm. stately main manner.
1: Also, they do say it's not a lot of radium being moved around.
0: No. So, how's the back computer being affected by this? Budget cuts. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Mm. Uh, but we do know it's not a lot of radium, and it's only Type 6, ISO Type 14, Ugh. worth a mere $500 an ounce. But that's $500, 1967. Exactly. Yeah. That's a lot of scratch. It is a lot of scratch. Uh, now, I have to say that Professor Duckhill, the head of the paleontology unit at the Gotham City Museum of Natural History, pretty apt name.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think that might have been a predetermined career path.
0: Yeah, very much so. <laughs> Family business.
1: Yeah. Mind you, and this is where the show shows its age because he doesn't see any value in this um, Neosaurus egg.
0: Well, I was thinking about this. Is this purely because we're in a post-Jurassic Park, Jurassic World era? Well, this
1: is what I'm going to say. This is happening right as there's another film in the uh, Jurassic extended universe.
0: Now, you're a film expert. Aren't I? Yeah. Just ask me. Well, you are the film editor of SBS Movies. Well, probably movies editor.
1: Managing editor, but go on.
0: Okay, fine. If title is important here, then we'll <laughs> go with it. You brought it up. <laughs> go on. So I'm going to lean on you as my Jurassic Park expert here. Now, my understanding of Jurassic Park was that they were able to bring the dinosaurs back to life Mm. because you had insects of which were trapped within lava. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was the DNA cartoon, which taught us all how this worked. Mm -hmm. And so the scientists would very expertly, like, inject into the lava, extract some blood, and they'd have the DNA to work with.
1: Bada bing, bada boom, you got dinosaurs.
0: Now, obviously, you got the dinosaur egg. Mm. I'm pretty sure that in real life you have dinosaur eggs that they've got. Me? Like, Personally? Generally, like scientists, paleontologists. And Around the for like, yeah. Yeah, like there's well, eggs that exist, right? I don't know. <laughs> I, I thought we had fossilised eggs, but okay. maybe not. I mean, I assume that was the case. Sure. But obviously...
1: There are fossils for sure, Yeah, but I don't know if there's
0: eggs. Uh, Mr Egghead, mm. Senior Egghead, like he seems to believe that you can bring the dinosaur back to life with the right By level of radiation. blasting it with
1: radiation.
0: Yeah, which to me indicates that there's some sort of uh, fetus within the egg. So, yes. I don't know, scientifically, does this hold out?
1: Uh, well, not if you watch the episode to its end, uh...
0: Denoulement. <laughs> <laughs> fancy. That is one of those fancy movies, homes, <laughs> isn't it? Now, I do understand that there have been some surveys done from paleontologists talking to your everyday schmoes, mm. and it is surprisingly high how many people actually believe you can bring dinosaurs back thanks to the amber and the uh, you know, extraction of the blood. Thank
1: Mr. Spielberg for that one. Yeah.
0: Well, it's well, probably Mr. credit, yeah, I'd I imagine. Yeah, share the credit. Yeah. Mm. So, Professor Dactyl, did you recognise Mr. Dactyl? Sorry, Professor Dactyl.
1: <laughs> I didn't, I'm going to be honest. I did, and I didn't even think to look it up. Go on. Look,
0: I didn't... It? I didn't recognise him, but he seemed like he was probably a character actor of the time.
1: He had a bit of a Julius Sumner Miller hair thing going
0: on. (laughs) Did he ever? Uh, So anyway, he's got a fairly extensive career as just a character actor, you know, pairing in all sorts of things. But from a very notable uh, standpoint, he was in an episode, actually he's in multiple Star Trek episodes, each time playing different characters. But he's in maybe one of the most important ones, an episode called The Cage, which is a pilot episode of Star Trek. This is pre-Captain Kirk. The captain Ooh. in the original one was Captain Pike. And so he was in that episode. Ugh. Yeah. He was also in a Catherine Hepburn movie. Uh, it's called Rooster Cogburn. Have you ever seen it?
1: To do with True Grit?
0: Uh, I,
1: that's the character's name.
0: Uh, look, I'm not too sure.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, but anyway, he played her father in it, despite the fact he's only one year older. Hollywood, eh? Yeah. Pretty, pretty good. Mm. Yeah. How many magazines or various periodicals do you subscribe to?
1: <laughs> Not enough, because I need to get myself a copy of the, what is it again?
0: I believe it's the <laughs> Southeastern Regional Journal of Applied Radiology.
1: Is this episode brought to you by the editors of the Southeastern Regional Journal of Applied Radiology? Because... <laughs> How many times have they name-checked that?
0: Look, quite a number of times, Mm. but I was particularly taken with Barbara Gordon's Mm. co-worker, Petula, of whom was knowledgeable enough to say that the only person (laughs) or the only entity that has more subscriptions to various periodicals around Gotham City is Bruce Wayne.
1: I know. Um, And she's a little dirty on the fact that the budget cuts mean she can't subscribe anymore.
0: Oh, look, fair enough. I mean, it's impacting upon her and the professionalism of the Gotham City State Library. Totally. How is it that... Bruce Wayne is not only subscribing to that many magazines, but has the time to read that many. I appreciate he's a pretty bright guy.
1: He's a learned individual.
0: Yeah. You make time, Dan. I guess so. He just seems very busy, what with the constant day trips out fishing with uh, his (laughs) ward.
1: I know. But also, if he didn't do that, he wouldn't think he wouldn't be able to solve this one. So I can't think of an analogy here, but this is very (laughs) beneficial
0: to Uh, his work as a crime fighter. Look, it suddenly paid off. Uh, Much the same way as my research about the Neosaurus throughout my (laughs) workday afternoon.
1: How long did that take you?
0: Uh, Look, I don't know, a polite four to five hours, I think. The Neosaurus, how familiar are you with that? Because I didn't see any of the Jurassic Park movies.
1: Not very. I thought they might bring that one out in the next
0: one. Mm. No, I mean, it must be. Mm. Uh, From what I understand, it is not a real dinosaur. Ah. Yeah. Spoiler. Upsetting. Uh, But there are, I believe, some episodes of Ultraman the Japanese uh, show with the guy that gets really big and tramples cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently the Neosaurus is a dinosaur in that, but I don't think it's a real dinosaur.
1: Along with the Do You Think he
0: Yes. I mm. mm. oh,
1: thank you. Now, of course, this episode culminates in the attempted radiating of the egg and... Who had money on, it's going to be Batman in a dinosaur suit.
0: Like, immediately I knew Batman was coming out of that egg. Mm. But wearing the dinosaur suit, that I had not expected.
1: (laughs) Because I thought that. And then when you did see the dinosaur, I thought... Another callback to Steven Spielberg. I I was going to say, I had my wisecrack already, you know, that that's why he didn't show much of the shark in Jaws. (laughs) Because it can (laughs) look pretty crappy when you show your animal, your monster in full.
0: How dare you? I've never been more scared watching a TV (laughs) show than in this very episode.
1: And yet... The joke's on me because he then scooby Dooed us and uh, (laughs) what do you know, it's Batman in the suit.
0: Look, did he ever? Now, it sounds to me like you weren't that impressed with the suit.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of incredible. And uh, so he's saying that he was immune to the bursts of radiation because of the lead-lined suit. And sad irony is he probably did more damage by wearing a suit that was lined in lead.
0: Yeah, I mean, from the chafing alone.
1: No, I mean the lead.
0: Well, there's that. What we
1: know now. (laughs) (laughs) Not a smart move, Bruce. I'm
0: sure Batman's probably got something else to counteract that. Like his underwear underneath the ledge of the... I don't know. Something's going on. I'm sure Batman was just fine. Yeah, just go with it. Now, I was telling you about the reduced budget on this, but right before they go into the Natural Museum, there's the scene where they meet ba- uh, Batgirl, who enters the storyline for the first time as part of that meeting. Sure. So, I mean, she'd been around, but they hadn't really inter- interconnected the stories. Mm-hmm. So, Batgirl rocks up on a bat cycle with the cool Batgirl music behind her. Totally. Okay, Batman and Robin pull up, and when they pull up, they're outside a building, which is a very cool, like, art deco 1960s-looking building. And I noticed in the background, they actually had some signage, which wasn't just like a painted sign somewhere. This is like an actual sort of molded bit of set decoration that they've done. And outside of this building, which I'm pretty sure was probably just a building somewhere on the lot. Okay. But out the top there, they had Gotham City Plaza oh. in like some cool art deco writing. Mm-hmm. I was very impressed that they actually went and did that level of set decoration because this season has been pretty scant on much detail at all. You throughout may this entire thing. see it. Yeah. Here out, here on in. Oh look, probably. But anyway, I was just surprised and see that within mm. this. But then we did see them with the dinosaur costume, which was maybe not the most fanciful costume.
1: Correct. But there was a big egg. Uh how did he get in to the egg and the costume in the given amount of time? Or should I not ask these questions?
0: I believe that Chief Ahara asked that question at the very end of the episode, and Commissioner Gordon came through with the goods. Apparently he hatched his own little plot.
1: Yeah, that doesn't answer the question, though. <laughs> <laughs> that is a swerve, much like you swerved just then. But for once, O'Hara actually asked a probing question.
0: Now, there were two interesting moments. One, we learned that Batman loves peanut butter sandwiches. He's a growing man. Yeah. He's got stuff to do. Uh, and the other thing was that the reason why he chose the dinosaur costume and to go through the elaborateness of sealing himself in front into that egg. Yes. Which I've got a question about that in a moment. But he I've still sealed, got my other question. <laughs> he supposedly sealed himself into this egg. He only did it to apparently there were so many uh, Bizarin Cossacks around the place that if he came in as Batman and dealt with it that way, it would cause a lot of violence and he didn't want to hurt them. Yeah. So I don't know. Did he see that these were Cossacks being led astray, that they didn't quite understand what was going on by their queen?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I didn't quite catch that.
0: Mm. And we should mention the Queen as well briefly here. Yes. Returning guest, Anne Baxter. I know.
1: And I was on her first outing as Zelda the Great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, apparently she's the only actor to play two different villains in the show. Good for her. Yeah. Now, Dodgy I do have-
1: accent, but good for her.
0: Yeah, it is dodgy. I mean, it seemed legitimate when I was watching it as a 10-year-old back in the day. Mm. Yeah, right now, not so much. You are swimming a blind alley, Eggsy, and this is all a waste of time. Question for you. Was it actually Batman that came out in the dinosaur suits? Or could it very well have been that Egghead's device actually worked and it just happens that a Neosaurus looks like a man coming out in a uh, dodgy rubber suit and then said rubber suit can come off and it looks like Batman. Could there be two people looking like Batman walking around in the Batman universe now? No. Okay, I'm just saying we just presume that this is really a Batman scheme.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Look at you getting your Occam's razor on me.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, No. Although, on the peanut butter sandwich front.
0: Yes. (laughs) We really do target the important questions here at Batman Land. I
1: just want to do a callback to the peanut butter sandwiches. Is that because Batman slash Bruce Wayne enjoy that as a snack or because a Neosaurus is not a meat eater? Because I thought that was what that was. But maybe I've been watching too many Jurassic Park movies.
0: Oh, look, I mean, quite possibly so. I was mm. too busy just being taken with the ridiculousness of the scene. Yes. And also concocting my theory that it was actually a real-life dinosaur being born that at that home like moment. That looks like Batman. Yeah.
1: 40 million years ago. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's taking more shape now in my uh I mean, you mind. act like it's
0: ridiculous, but yeah. have you seen the show?
1: <laughs> That's a bridge too far, Dan. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Look, I mean, maybe. <laughs>
1: Hindsight is often better than foresight. Daniel? Is that what they
0: say? They do say that. People say that.
1: Two people say that in this episode?
0: Yeah. At the very end of the episode we've got the Joker rocking up in the Joker mobile and we've seen that car a couple of times in the show so far. We have.
1: Has it had a paint job?
0: Look, I mean possibly. Yeah, I wouldn't profess to be the expert. Mm -hmm. However, the Joker mobile rocks up. Okay. It's at the beach. Very exciting. Surf's up, Fiona. And how. Cowabunga. (laughs) Cowabunga. Cowabunga. How oh, a bunger indeed. <laughs> now we're introduced to a character named Skip Parker. Skip Parker. <laughs> I'm not a Gotham point, Barbara. He calls Barbara his squeeze, his girl, mm-hmm. Okay, inviting her to come to the beach the next morning to go and catch some waves. Uh, we obviously learn that Skip Parker is a surfer. Local surf legend. Yeah. Uh, the Joker who rocks up with his two henchmen Wipeout and Riptide. <laughs> come on, Dean, to Gotham Point and the World Surfing Championships while Riptide and Wipeout do their work. <laughs>
1: Now, I want those T-shirts, by the way.
0: Uh, the gentleman who played Wipeout, like he had a brief career in Hollywood. You know, played some bit roles around the place. Mm-hmm. But the gentleman who played Riptide, he's played by a guy named Skip Ward. Now, Skip Ward, he kept on acting for quite a while after Batman, so he's got a bunch of acting credits. But later in life, he became a TV and movie producer. So there's a lot of fairly inconsequential things. But for fans of the Batman show, I'm guessing there's probably a fair bit of crossover with fans of the V miniseries and TV show. Okay. You know V? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Haunted my dreams when I was a kid. Classic. We should talk to someone at SBS about V. Let's Make it happen. Yeah. That's a good idea. I'm going to file that with management in a short while. (laughs) Uh, but he was one of the producers on the V show oh. and his career did wind out with a few V related productions and also, uh, I don't even know how to approach this, but a number of direct video entries in the Playboy erotic fantasy series. Said. Yeah. That's where his career ended up. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, Riptide did pique my interest because he looked fairly ripped at Riptide. <laughs> so yes, that's uh, interesting that his career took that turn.
0: He did. But in the next episode, we do uh, see Skip Parker again And Skip Parker is legitimately really quite interesting. So... I looked at him and I thought, there's something else going on with this guy. I thought that maybe he was a professional surfer or someone that they'd brought in. He was a professional athlete, so he was actually a pro college, uh, pro footballer, Mm. played college ball and then pro football. He played for, I think, about like three or four years and then ended up leaving under some fairly sort of uh, unfortunate life circumstances. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was like stuff to do with his stepfather, like commandeering his career and, you know, just not great sort of family stuff. But he ended up going off to a career in Hollywood where he appeared in a limited number of movies and TV shows, uh, before he ended up winding that down, this Batman appearance is actually his final credit for anything.
1: I was going to say, yeah.
0: And then after that, he just became a drifter and just went out and lived life. He was constantly reading and just doing his thing.
1: Found another path. Yeah. Well, I don't want to be unkind, but when I saw that this was his last credit, I thought, yep.
0: That makes sense. (laughs) Yep. No, I mean, this is the thing. So any actor is not necessarily going to be suited for a career. It's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. Sometimes you just not very good. Yeah. And he didn't seem like the most charismatic of actors or the most imbued with any sort of uh, acting skill. Uh,
1: no, well, that is harsh, but I do think he was perfectly cast for someone whose personality was swapped out of him <laughs> and he spent most of the time in the cupboard.
0: In fairness, it wasn't his personality, it was his skill base.
1: His, all of his abilities. <laughs>
0: okay. As a bit of trivia for Batman fans, uh, there was a character in the second season, which you were not here for that, Fiona, but you've got the Green Hornet, who uh-huh. I don't know if you're familiar with the Green Hornet in a TV show. Yes. This is a TV show that ran in conjunction with Batman throughout the second season of the show. Uh, you've got Bruce Lee as his sidekick, Kato. Now, when they went to cast that, apparently William Dozier, the executive producer of both shows, he wanted this guy, Skip Parker, to play the Green Hornet character. Oh. Yeah. Didn't happen. Didn't happen, obviously. Mm. And had he done it, maybe he wouldn't have left acting after 1967.
1: Maybe. Maybe he got the hump and went off and <laughs> travelled the world.
0: Possibly so. Now, this is these two episodes are your first encounter with the Batgirl character. Yes. And I would have to say that in terms of Batgirl, this actually hasn't been the strongest introduction to Batgirl in that I don't think she really had much to do as Batgirl in each episode.
1: A lot of Barbara.
0: Yeah. Definitely yeah. a lot of Barbara in this episode. Mm. Uh, is there any Batgirl? Uh, there, was um, some epi- there was some back door right at the end of this episode.
1: Okay.
0: So when the main fight's happening to take out the Joker and his goons, yes. there's that great scene with uh, Barbara and Dick both running into the change rooms. a another, good door
1: um, <laughs> caper, yes.
0: Very much so. They both come out and then look at each other yeah. and it's like, oh, we were both getting changed there. Like, you must have been here. Yes. you clearly saw the cogs turning. Mm. Or as much as they could turn in poor little Robin's head. I know, bless mm. you. Indeed. Anyway, so we did get to see the Batgirl costume. Yes. But in this episode, and this is the only time in the Batman TV show, lots of scantily clad people running around in this.
1: A lot of cozies, but we're at the
0: beach. Yeah, but I found it very surprising how scant the Barbara beach costume was.
1: A little revealing, a little risque. It was pretty risque for nice the show. Um, Because she's,
0: she's a very demurely dressed character generally.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And so that was kind of a surprise. Sure.
1: Mm. Ondine, the Joker's... Uh...
0: The gangster mole. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the one talking to her hot dog.
1: She was, uh, in real life, a uh, third runner-up Miss Universe in 1964. Swedish uh, last name Sivi Aberg. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. Obviously, did well in the swimsuit competition and felt no need to change.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And boy, did she deliver. (laughs) Yes. Now, speaking of clothing, something that struck me as a little bit interesting because, as I said, Barbara's usually dressed very demurely. And in the same way, both uh, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson are usually dressed in very sort of similar clothing day-to-day, for, like, their outfits. Sure. Very interesting when they answer the bat phone from Commissioner <laughs> Gordon calling through, where Dick was already wearing, like, surf shorts.
1: He had his Bermudas on. He had the surfboard at the ready. He was ready to go. It's summertime in Gotham.
0: So they end up running to the Batpole and he slides down with a bit more grace than usual because he wasn't encumbered by the, you know, dress pants <laughs> that he's usually wearing. But the next scene, you got Batman and Robin flying in the Batcopter. Incredible. Yeah. And this wasn't just st- uh, stock footage left over from the previous, uh, from the Batman movie. This looked like it was new footage. <laughs> they did a shoot. Yeah. Love it. So that was kind of cool. Mm. So let's see the Batcopter again. So here's the thing, in the previous episodes of Batman, back in the day where we had two partners, there'd be the fun of watching Batman and Robin engaging in day-to-day society and people would walk up going, Oh, you know, who are you? And you'd go, like, Oh, I'm Batman. And it'd be like a fun little joke. You don't really get those in a single episodes anymore, Mm. but you do get an allusion to it as they're flying in a Batcopter and Batman advises Robin that they'll set down down just north of Gotham Point, which is where the beach is, and and walk walk down down to the beach beach like ordinary ordinary people.
1: people. Correct.
0: But you do get to see them walk into the surf club. You do. Hang five.
1: Mind you, that is a setup to the next scene, which has Commissioner and Chief, (laughs) Chief a.k.a. Duke and Buzzy, (laughs) the uh, antique beachcombers. What here suppose is up, Buzzy? The surf,
0: Duke. What struck me in that scene is that the two of them were walking around with those glasses on, and it reminded me of, remember Back to the Future Part 2? Yes. Uh, There's the scenes in the alternate 2015? 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're already past the future of Back to the Future now.
1: We are. I know. And didn't they anticipate but, it anyway? Yeah, they really nailed they it, didn't they? Mm.
0: And we're still waiting for that computer animated uh, Jaws film to you know, really 3D up our streets.
1: Didn't we get it with Ready Player One?
0: Yeah, pretty close. But in the Back to the Future movie, everyone has like futuristic glasses. Mm-hmm. Like, and I remember a Pizza Hut tie-in when I was a kid <laughs> when Back to the Future Part 2 came out. So what's that, like 1989? 1990, oh, thereabouts. And they used to, like, give wear those glasses. And it looked like two recipients of said glasses were Chief O'Hara <laughs> and Mr Gordon. Duke and Buzzy.
1: Duke and Buzzy. <laughs> some pretty stylish leisure wear, i got to
0: say. I look very much so. Mm. I mean, even if you could consider that, both of them seem a lot like Grammys. Zig the Grammys. Grammys.
1: No compliment. Beach bumps. should have worn our baggies. Yes, yeah. That was my first thought. And then we have a musical interlude by uh, Johnny Green and the Green Men.
0: I kind of like that song.
1: It's pretty catchy. Yeah. And I was thinking it's probably not a coincidence that the monkeys had started by now, that we have a band and a bit of a beach scene and a...
0: Oh look there's that. But I mean this episode is obviously a throwback to the nineteen sixties beach movies. Mm. And so there was always like a band playing at the beach in those films. Yeah. So I think it's certainly tapping into that. Mm. But I mean the monkeys are just part of that pop music craze that all the kids were into at the time.
1: Yeah, but a show stopping to have a music interlude and having some um, go go dancing. But
0: didn't like the beach movies tend to do that a fair bit as well?
1: Yeah, I'm not disputing that, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, now, they're a bit of an interesting band where Johnny Green, of the aforementioned Johnny Green and the Green Men, uh, he's actually really important to Batman where he was hired to come and do some session music with Neil Hefty and I forget the name of the other gentleman, but when they were recording the Batman theme song, okay, he was hired to be providing some bass music. So he there's this really great video that we found on YouTube of him talking about it but he was saying that when he came to record the Batman theme song, so he's on the theme songs of mm-hmm. Batman. Very cool. Uh, essentially, the music that was already put in place seemed more like a 1930s, 1940s like drama serial sort of music. Yeah. But he laid down that baseline behind it, and it really came alive. Did it ever? Yeah. So like he expressed about how much joy he has seeing kids these days knowing that theme song still, even though the show just isn't really being watched anywhere uh, except for here Present at CBS excluded. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, like it just he just seems like this cool guy that, you know, did this cool thing and he's just been happy about that since. And he's
1: still got the green hair.
0: Still got the green hair. Look
1: it up on YouTube.
0: And part of his act is he eats fire.
1: Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Musician and fire eater.
0: And apparently he used to do that back in the day as well. Yes. Yeah, like pre Batman.
1: Never not eating fire.
0: Yeah, so they're still a band and you can find them on Facebook. Available for weddings, parties, anything. Yeah. And now they start in 1961 as one of Dick Clark's band, like, as his band. (laughs) And then they play, like, a backup to a whole bunch of 60s acts. What a life. Yeah, I thought that was very cool. What more do you want? Now, going back to Batman and Robin attending their Hang Five, I really liked when they walked through the door and they're called Grammys as they come through, which is a term I'm not familiar with.
1: (laughs) Hang loose, mongoose, don't you know?
0: (laughs) Well, clearly. Uh, But Robin, as the young countercultural figure that he is, (laughs) he's as a translator and he says, it's no compliment, which I thought was kind of a fun line and I think, you know, it was delivered quite nicely. (laughs) But it seems to me like it's quite the cultural shift from Robin, the greaser wannabe that we saw in the first season of the show. Down the malt shop. Yeah, like it seemed like he was really out of place with the culture of the time. Yes. Okay, but here it seems like he's actually an active member of it. Yeah. He's got a surfboard apparently.
1: I know. didn't yeah. look like it had much use, mind you, but that's nah, fine. Well, you know. We've all got to start somewhere.
0: Mm.
1: Which I guess brings me to a wider point with the Joker's plan.
0: <laughs> um, plan, quotation marks well, around that. I mean,
1: honestly, it's just a roost to get to the end scene. Oh, look, absolutely. Um, and bless it. Yes. But, I mean, to kidnap a local surf champ and to uh, absorb all of his skills and whatnot, he could have kind of just gone to Byron and got a surf class because they're a dime a dozen and anyone can stand up by the end of it or you get your money back. Even I've done that.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, anyone can stand in front of the blue screen.
1: Well... (laughs) was not up on the day that they were shooting at the beach. <laughs>
0: it, it did not appear so. It did not. It wasn't like the end of Point Break with the 80-year wave.
1: <laughs> no, it was not.
0: Mm. Get it when he comes back, come back, in.
1: back in. He's not coming back.
0: We should note the device the Joker was using was... Gizmo
1: called a surfing... Experience an, an ability, ability transferometer.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, what got me about this is that the Joker's plan is to steal... What was Skip. the young kid's name? Skip? Skip, such an American name. Mm-hmm. All-American boy. Mm-hmm. Stealing Skip's ability to be able to surf. And I'm not sure what he was planning to do with that surf ability. But there was that surf competition that weekend. So presumably yeah. he wanted to enter that and win the prize money.
1: It's not about the money. He actually states his aim. He wants to earn the envy, respect, respect and, and adulation of all, of all the local, local surfers. surfers.
0: What I go, they will follow. What I want, they will provide. And what I want is Gotham City to plunder and to pillage. And that is what they will provide. <laughs> OK.
1: Sometimes that's all you need.
0: Yeah, I don't know, it just sort of struck me that of all the sports to get involved in the mid-60s, maybe there's better prize money if he used that device and became a pro footballer, for example. Or a baseballer, or any number of other sports where there's a lot greater prize money. Or maybe, just putting it out there, there's a guy who's currently operating in the very TV show you're in, of whom he is the world's greatest detective. Okay, he's a very smart, very capable person. Why not steal all of Batman's abilities? <laughs> <laughs> hey, So while the surf is definitely not in in this episode, <laughs> there are a number of scenes where you see the young kids out there surfing. Yes. Did that footage look familiar? Uh, no. Should it have? Well, apparently it's all from the, like, very well-known surfing documentary, The Endless Summer.
1: The budget extended to some stock footage then.
0: Nice. It did. Now, there was actually a second scene where Burt Ward, I think, was really quite good. Mm. It's Dick turning up at the surf club. Hang five. <laughs> Do people still hang five? I know about hanging <laughs> ten. Anyway, we'll put a a pin in and come back to that later in life. Sure. But he rocks up and he's representing millionaire Bruce Wayne as his youthful ward, Dick Grayson. And Bruce Wayne's apparently the president of the Gotham Point Surf Association. (laughs) Of course he is. How he has time for that with all those magazines to read, I do not know. (laughs) But anyway, he enters Batman into the surf competition, mm. and then there's an amazing scene with Gosh. Batman and Joker both going to the change room one after another to go in there and get changed. Into their Bermuda shorts. Shall we go into the men's locker room and put on our baggies? Now, I'm picturing a scene where the two of them are there, like, in the dressing room together, and both of them are demurely sort of trying to, you know, hide themselves from the opponent as the, you know, sliding on their pants over their real pants.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, awkward, but incredible.
0: Now, as with any surf competition, they are judged on three core criteria. You've got the size of the wave. Check.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> in close-up we do.
0: You've got how they ride it with oh, great style and applause. Off the charts. Absolutely. But maybe the most important thing, sportsmanship. Sportsmanship. And our fellow surfers will be the judges. Go for your surfboard. Yes. Mm.
1: Erring very much on the side of Batman on that one. Yeah. Here we, of course, have the shark.
0: Well, this is what I was about to mention myself, yes. which we've got the return of the bat-shark repellent. Mm-hmm. Maybe the most iconic thing from the 60s Batman TV show. Incredible. Very gifable.
1: Mm. Uh And a bit of a Mick Fanning moment. Uh, how so? Well, he famously avoided meeting a grim end with the shark.
0: Mm, famously. Surf champion Mick Fanning. Uh, I'm, I'm aware of the guy, but I didn't know about the shark. Google it. I'll be sure Incredible.
1: To. Real, you know... 50 years previously, how could they possibly have known? But, you know, I just thought it was a nice parallel to Australian surfing legend Mick Fanning's
0: Mm. famed. Because no surfer has ever encountered a shark before.
1: No, but this made headlines
0: around (laughs) the world. Absolutely. Mm. Now, nothing fills me with more joy than hearing Cesar Romero shouting, (laughs) Kababoonga!
1: Same. Yeah. So it's, it's my text alert message now.
0: Now, before the Ninja Turtles, I don't think I'd ever heard the phrase cowabunga before in my life. However, clearly it was a regularly used term around Southern Californian surf scene. Because the Teenage Ninja Turtles talk like surfers. Yeah, well, I understand that, but yeah. I just had never really heard the phrase.
1: No, I'll explain it to you more if you want Okay, to-
0: no, please do. <laughs> I require a flow chart for this one, Fiona. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just think it just seems so radical. Mm-hmm. But in this one, we've got like a number of people using the phrase cowabunga. I'm sure Chief O'Hara says it at one point.
1: Cowabunga, be gone. Robin is the first. And I did note the time because it took it almost five minutes before we got one. And I thought, well, that, I would have pegged having it a bit quicker than that. But
0: there you go. Now, how, did you know before you started watching this episode that there was an episode where they go surfing?
1: Well, I don't remember watching it as youngster and I could be confusing it with the movie. Mm. with the shark repellent. But seeing the pair of them on the waves, I have seen that image, whether or not I've seen this whole episode before, I'm not sure. Yeah. It triggered something within me and it it was joy. It triggered joy.
0: (laughs) I had such a strong memory of this episode and we were sort of debating whether to do season three of Batman Land or not. There wasn't really that much debate, but we were sort of, you know, (laughs) playing around with the idea of maybe not doing it. But the thing that really held me wanting to maintain that we were going to do season three was the idea we could talk about this episode. Because I remembered it as a kid and I remember it being so joyful, but I was also a little bit concerned it wouldn't hold up.
1: Yeah, that's a fair mm. fair fear, but here we are.
0: Oh, yeah, and it absolutely held up. And this was, like, honestly, if I'm going to list my top five episodes, this is in there.
1: Mm-hmm. And if I can do a callback to the previous episode in this double, yeah. I believe it's Batman and then Batgirl that say hindsight is often better than foresight.
0: Mm. So That's a good life lesson.
1: It is, especially when you're talking about the surfing Batman and Joker episode. In hindsight, it's amazing.
0: Now, I've got a question. We referred earlier to Barbara Gordon with her cozies. Yeah. Where's she keeping her costume? What do you mean? Well, there was the scene where she just went running into the change room and then suddenly came out in a Batgirl costume.
1: I she's got don't... a big tote bag.
0: Did she carry the tote bag into the change room? she
1: shot on a look. She went to the phone
0: yeah. to call Commissioner Gordon to say, come. That was at the beginning of the episode. Correct. But at the end when she changed into the Batgirl costume. But there's
1: evidence of a tote bag.
0: Okay. So maybe she's just keeping it in there. Yeah. Well, like she's obviously at the beach a fair bit because her squeeze is down there. Yeah. 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 Hmm. What else you got? <laughs> uh, well, I've got a question. <laughs> yeah, sure.
1: Um, why did they abduct hot dog Harrigan?
0: I'm not entirely this... sure. And Chief O'Hara, who has not proven to be the most adept police officer within the Gotham City Police Department. Easy tiger. Come on, I think we all we all know what's going on here. <laughs> but like he's hearing like something like there's obviously some sort of animal or something happening in this trash can in front of him. Would he not lift up that lid just to see what's going on? was chained shut. But it wasn't chained that heavily. Like, they were able to get those chains off pretty easily when they realised there might be a person in there.
1: True. Who knows why it might have been chained in the first
0: place? Could be some
1: wild raccoons or something.
0: Yeah. And maybe the chain can only be removed if there's some sort of radium shift in the local neighbourhood. That too. Mm. So we end with a glimpse of next week's episode. (laughs) Do we ever. And could you be more excited? Because we're going for a trip to... (laughs) Merry old England. Merry old England. Although I think he said the narrative says something about like Londonium, Londonium, yeah. or something London Londonium,
1: Londania. In that great metropolis of the old world, Londinium. Snuff boxes and
0: mm. fog. Uh, not just any snuff boxes, but Her Majesty's priceless snuff boxes. Yeah. I don't know what a snuff box is.
1: Isn't it where you keep your tobacco?
0: Maybe. Oh, it's because you like snuff it out. Mm. Yeah, That's that sounds lot, right.
1: A lot of pipe smoking going on in that preview
0: yeah so anyway yeah next week we're off to merry old england for a three-part episode
1: you are <laughs> <laughs> call me for the next uh and batman
0: <laughs> well we will call you for the episode after that because what? i believe that we've got part two of the three-part egghead uh oh. <laughs> Cossack adventure
1: oh well, who wouldn't want to miss that
0: oh uh, you got to come by for that one <laughs> i
1: mean i know how it ends i need to see how it gets to where it
0: ends yeah it's all about the journey mm-hmm. and that episode is all journey no end or beginning
1: Exactly.
0: Did you learn any lessons from this week's Batman?
1: Um, yeah, beware of people talking into their hot dogs. What about you?
0: Well, I learned a little bit about music this week. Huh. So I saw this band on the beach and I thought, you know, these guys have got a pretty grooving track. I really dig their vibe, man. I was totally into that, but regardless how good you are as a beach band in a nineteen sixties uh, beach homage, like throwback kind of a thing, you're never going to be as good as Cap and Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Yes. You don't what? Know who, you know who Cap and <laughs> Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters are at all, do you?
1: Say it three times.
0: Cap and Geach. Yeah. No. Do you remember a little film called That Thing You Do? Yes. There's a moment where they get hired to be one of these bands in like a nineteen sixties surf movie. Okay. And their band name is Cap'n Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters.
1: I knew you were going to say that.
0: Mm. Good for them. And on that note, Fiona, this is, brings us to the end of another Batman Land. Oh, Fiona Williams, it has been good having you here on the Batman Land cave once more. The pleasure's been all mine. Well, I mean, it had to be. I mean, look, there was a surfing Batman. A surfing know. Joker. Incredible. Yeah. Anyway, Fiona, you're on Twitter. Where do people find you?
1: You can find me uh, for all the surfing Batman gifts at anything but Fifi.
0: And before I let you leave, because this episode is so heavily an homage to, you know, nineteen sixty surf movies. Mm. Now, I know that this isn't really a genre that's like one of your preferred, but do you have like a favourite entry in...?
1: Well, As- I mean, I can't go past an Elvis movie, so Clambake. Yeah. yeah. Or Blue Hawaii.
0: See, I know I've seen a bunch of them when I was a kid, but I don't really remember them that well. Like, I remember watching, like, the Gidget syndicated show from the 90s, so I've suddenly got that in mind. I remember there was Back to the Beach, which was the throwbacks of the 60s films with, like, Annette Finicello and Frankie Frankie Avalon. So I remember seeing that, but I, I don't know, I can't really quite place it. And weirdly, last night, I was actually going to watch Beach Party, Okay, just a complete coincidence. I hadn't just even realised we were doing this today. Mm. And just because I'd come across and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't mind watching one of these beach movies. <laughs> and I really wish I had now because it'd be so beneficial to this I conversation. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yeah. Anyway, clearly that's an insight into my cool late night viewing habits. I know, right? Mm. Anyway, Fiona Williams, it <laughs> yes. has been a pleasure having you back here. Thank you, Daniel. If people want to find me for whatever reason, I'm at the Dan Barrett's on Twitter. If you like Batman Land, leave reviews on the various podcast applications of choice. Your iTunes, your Apple Podcasts, your Overcasts, your Pocketcasts. Whatnot. Yeah. Do that. Also, use the hashtag BatmanLand on your social media of choice. Helps people find the show. When you're talking about this here, find products. Fiona. Yes. We'll be back next week. Now, just as a bit of a plug, you do a little podcast here about The Handmaid's Tale.
1: Good segue. Yes.
0: I believe, if my it's calendar is correct. Eyes on Gilead. Eyes on Gilead. I've heard of this podcast before.
1: Yes. You may have produced it.
0: Yeah, quite possibly.
1: Yes. If you're a fan of The Handmaid's Tale...
0: You really should listen to this podcast.
1: Exactly. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, now we've had a bunch of good guests on it, but, you know, if you want to find out about that, you listen to Eyes on Gilead get yourself
1: there right now. You
0: really should. Now Fiona, I'm talking to you just a couple of days before the season finale of The Handmaid's Tale. Oh no, I don't know what I'm going to do without it. It's very stressful. I went from being just like a casual viewer of the show to really being quite invested in this series. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, season two really stepped things up quite considerably and part of it is listening to the Eyes on Gilead podcast. Oh, you're very kind. We'll be back next week, same Batman Land time, same Batman Land channel. Until then.